I'm Mark, and welcome to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, good, thank you. Very good. Good, good. So it'd be really helpful if you could kind of just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do and about, uh, yeah, the project going on in South Leeds. Okay, so uh, my name's Mark Hodgkinson. I um, have worked with the Salvation Army for, uh, oh gosh, the last uh, 16 years in an area of Leeds called Beeston, uh, so an inner city community. Uh, very diverse um, and initially as part of what was called the NEO projects of the Salvation Army. So um, a group of projects that were started all around the country, um, particularly focused on uh, urban priority areas. So areas of high deprivation um, uh, around the kind of idea of the forgotten 5% to the bottom 5%. Uh, nationally and the idea of um, kind of moving back into those communities so being uh, not just kind of working in those communities but specifically living in those communities um, and then drawing alongside um, people in those communities and serving them loving them uh, and and yeah so that's what we've been doing for the last 16 years our focus is um, since the very start been on young people so young people and their families uh, which was identified as an area that was um, yeah just an area of need really within uh, within this community there were very very few young people connected to any of the the sort of traditional church congregations in the community um, and so the idea was how can we um, kind of move into the community and then look to to build work that that is relevant that is um, yeah not just relevant but also I guess culturally sensitive so yeah. um, something that that builds in a culture rather than it kind of puts your culture onto something uh, onto a group of people if that makes sense okay yeah, yeah. so yeah so we have been doing that, a small team of us, uh, for the last 16 years. We are all part-time uh, currently. So we started off with a team of two full-time workers. Um, and over over the last 16 years, that's grown to a team of four part-time people. So for various reasons, at various points, different things have happened, which have meant our team has changed. So uh, in that time, only one only one person has kind of has moved on in that sense. So, um, so I've been here for the whole time and then, uh, we've got another three members of the team who've all been here for about probably 12 or 13 years as well. Um, so there's, yeah, there's been a good level of sort of investment and commitment yeah. from those people, which is, um, I think a little bit unusual for a project like this because I, Certainly, I look at the other areas in which Neo went into, and um, and I think one of the one of the real strengths of the work that we've been doing, I think, is just is just that kind of it. I don't know if it's co commitment or what. It's essentially yeah. just longevity. People willing to to stick around and to yeah. invest and buy 
houses in the community and stay and um so there must be a, that... a level of sustainability there in in what you're doing how do you think you've kind of developed developed that that you hear about a lot of people who, who go into uh areas of high deprivation and they really struggle with sustaining the work-life balance that they find in incarnational ministry how, how do you think you found a way of doing that sustainably so i think probably key for for me anyway and I, and i think it's probably true for the other members of the team as well is that we we are we've come into this community but um it's not just been our team that have that have sort of moved in and 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 been part of it so certainly when i moved to this community it was um alongside five or six other people uh all of whom had a real heart for the community and that over time that 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 really grew um and i wonder whether certainly for me that that's been really really significant because it's it's been around people with a shared heart and a shared vision yeah. um and not necessarily people who are part of this project um but people with whom we we share life and we we just have a lot of in common in terms of wanting to see a particular community changed and and i guess having a particular heart for a community so we we are just part of a wider network of people and i think that makes quite a big difference because i think potentially where people have moved in and, and and certainly maybe they've been um a smaller number of people specifically working on one project yeah i, I can see why there's a kind of higher turnover there um i guess the the flip side of that is the challenge is that you the more people that you are networking with potentially the the more challenging it is to to be open to seeing something raise up from from the ground rather than kind of imposing something um but i think the probably the diversity within that group of people in terms of where they've chosen to locate how they serve the community has has helped that so they're not not all of those people have a particular heart for young people um there's people who come to do to work with children there's people who come to work with refugees and all kinds of different roles but i think that's made that has definitely made a big difference um because i kind of feel like where where would i go now where i could i would have that network of people around me um and and i'm not sure I'm not sure how I'd even cope with this <laughs> if I didn't have it. So right, okay, yeah. So I guess you've kind of just joined in with what God's doing there instead of saying, "This is what we want to see change," and trying to go and kind of influence people in that way. You've kind of just gone along, joined in with what's already going on, and that seems to have been really effective. Yeah, and I think that's so. I can I can even remember when I when I went for my interview with the Salvation Army. Um, you know, and obviously we we'd seen a I'd seen a business plan, and I'd seen that you know this is where we're looking to this is the kind of thing we're looking to do, and I can remember talking even then about actually, you know that there's there's a lot already there's a lot already happening there's a lot of people already around, um, even the Beeston has a, a ridiculously high number of sort of traditional congregational models of church as well so there were a lot of methodist churches there were a lot of anglican churches 
Um, and for me, there was just a real sense of how do we, rather than sort of coming and saying, okay, now let us show you how to do this properly. <laughs> and, how, you know, and all of that sort of, which I think sadly quite a lot of, I guess, church planting does carry that, that sort of, um, that sort of spirit, doesn't it, of, okay, there's not a lot happening. Whereas for me, there was just a real sense of actually, you know, there's, there's people who've been around here for a lot longer than me who faithfully kind of lived and grown up in this community. And how do we, how do we become part of that really? So how do we, how do we enable what we do to be part of what the wider church is doing, but also what God is doing? And, and, and we, we talked a lot about just wanting to follow where, where God was sort of going really. Um, and, you know, and we've not, uh, <laughs> we've not got that right all the time. And we've, um, and, and in many ways, 16 years in, we would say, you know, if you look at the number of young people we're working with, um, it is, it's, it's a fraction of the community. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, we, we are, we do remain different to lots of people in our community, uh, by nature of, uh, sort of. I guess our backgrounds, our upbringing, uh, the way we talk, all of those kind of things. Um, so I'm not, I wouldn't in any way sit and say, <laughs> look at this, it's brilliant. Uh, I'd say we'd, 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 we are seeking just to follow what we see God doing and, um, and yeah, and hopefully that, that works. <laughs> so over the, over the 16 years, I imagine what, kind of what what your work looks like there practically has probably changed quite a bit or could you tell us a little bit about what the day-to-day looks like in in what you do yeah so um so one of the things that's always been really important for us is um so when we started the project we um we've never we've never had a building so we've never um in that sense been a sort of had a focal point that that seeks to attract people towards it um and so we've we've always felt that being sort of out is really really important so certainly initially we did quite a lot of just one walking around and doing bits of you know detached youth work and stuff like that um but we 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 when we started we started at well about a year into uh, another project which has started, which was a project uh, run by Kids Club in Leeds, which is kind of children's charity, uh, church-based children's charity that works across the, the whole of inner city Leeds. Um, and one of the things that they they did it as part of their work was they they visited kids. Um, so real sort of strong home visiting uh, programme. And we... We plugged in with Kids Club because we felt like Kids Club was um, obviously that you know kids become a little bit older and then they become young people. Um, so we thought these this is a good potentially a good way of working where we could um, work with Kids Club and take kids as they come out of primary school. Um, and so it was a bit of a no brainer that we when they moved up from sort of primary school into high school we started that work but we kept the visiting. Um, and we've we found that's been really, really enabled us not just to sort of build relationships with the kids, but to build relationships with families. Um, 
but also it, it's just a real eye opener into into the lives of of the kids and their and their homes and and families um and you get a, a wider appreciation of of maybe why they behave like they behave and um why some of the issues that they've got are, are massive issues for them um so, so so visiting has remained over the course of the 16 years really really important uh for us um and so we've we've done that as a sort of as a team and as volunteers as well um where we've gone out every week and tried to visit as, as well if not all the kids that come every week um certainly the vast majority of them um with it and then we've run this program for uh also the last 16 years that's a sort of out of school somewhere so I, yeah people ask me about it quite a lot but we in terms of what it is it's not a drop-in youth club so it's not one that literally is just the doors are thrown open and people can come in so it's very much we take kids initially from kids club um and we bring them into this group that we call space and our, our aim has always been to again kind of be trying to relevantly disciple young people uh from sort of 11 through to whenever they choose to sort of move on into their whatever is next for them um and and to be that sort of consistency for them so we've run this sort of hour-long group every week uh for kids to come to that um and we, we uh, you know we have we've had about well we've had four of those groups running uh probably for the last 50 uh, probably 12 years uh so age group specific um and so anywhere between probably 10 and well at some time like rarely but occasionally things numbers like 35 um but we've always found that the the higher the numbers the the less good the work is really um so we so we've we've done that and then we've also we work we continue to work at, in local schools so um a couple of our team go in and do mentoring and work with another project um in beast and ding uh, kind of self-esteem and relationships and sexual health stuff in local schools but again that has been a sort of we we want to we felt that those are the sorts of priorities that are really important to our young people really um, so we wouldn't have we wouldn't have specifically gone out to do those things had we not seen those sort of issues in the, the work that we were doing um, and then over time we've also run what we um cleverly called deeper space groups uh which is kind of uh smaller I, I guess a bit more like what churches would call sort of cell groups or things like that where we just have smaller groups of young people and that's that's where we've been i think really really limited in our success really in that we we've we've always sought to, to work out how we can do those um but our capacity is, has, hasn't always been there so we you kind of it's the sort of catch-22 of you need the big group in order to, to to see the young people want to come to the smaller group but the big groups always then meant that we couldn't really do the smaller groups because we didn't have time because we've got people who aren't full-time and also you know just other other challenges like families out of our own and things like that that um 
have sort of grown over time as well. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of been where we've gone for quite a long time. We had a a, a break late last year where we reevaluated all of that, and of um, we had started in January a, a sort of new. I guess a new rhythm of working where we condensed our big stuff onto one night. So we just had two bigger groups. Um, and then we've started uh, or had started to enroll these kind of deeper space groups and really try and prioritize those. Um, and obviously all of that is currently in a little bit of a, a little bit of a pause. Um, yes. As things yeah. have changed. <laughs> so it's been I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So many things I I kind of want to pick up on there. I guess to go back a little bit, uh, you spoke about visiting people in their homes, and I know me, me and Lauren have spoken in the past about um, that idea and how we love the idea of like building those relationships in in their actual homes as well, and getting a real understanding of where people live and what sort of conditions people live in and you know it just seems like a great idea all around but it also seems absolutely terrifying <laughs> I, I I would find it quite intimidating if I had to knock on all of the the families that we come into contact with here all of their their houses so how do you kind of do that how do you enable those uh, or make sure that that happens well um yeah so well is is the tricky thing I mean, time again is everything, isn't it? Mm. So uh, certainly I, I felt one of the reasons why we paused actually last year was we felt like visiting had just got squeezed a little bit. Um, and again, that is partly down to sort of life circumstances. So two of our team are married to each other um, and have children. So So that then becomes a little bit difficult in terms of just we've only ever got one of them around at the same time unless they can get parents to come over from the other side of the Pennines to come and babysit and stuff like that so so time is is key really to it um and and when it works well is when you've got time to do it um so even in the so when when we did break off our normal program we did keep visiting and one of the things that I really felt then was how much better the visiting was because we just got more time to do it and you didn't feel like you had to get get almost round so you know we would take probably about I don't know maybe 20 homes um I say each but we would do it in in kind of pairs so we would have um a volunteer with us maybe or or just someone with us um and and so getting around 20 and 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 it that every house was different. So because you tended to go, I certainly went at the same time every week. There were kids where, you know, they have, they had some kind of club on at that time. So I never, ever really, I never saw them unless they weren't at that club for whatever reason. There's other houses where you'd have a really brief chat at the door. Other houses where we would be invited in. And because, I mean, I can, over the years have been families, particularly, um, uh, you know, some of our Muslim families where you, <laughs> you'd just be there for about half an hour um, whilst they give you all manner of food and drink and things like that. Um, but it but it does really vary from house to house. The thing, I think, so we really benefited from Kids Club having done it first. So that, so so families, kids of the families that we work with, the vast majority of them come through Kids Club or certainly at least 
probably half of them come through kids club um which means they're just used to people pitching up on their door um so it doesn't seem like a weird thing for them um and it is interesting because obviously we then have kids who don't come to kids club who start coming and it and it does feel a bit different then because you do feel a bit like and the parents are obviously a little bit like oh what what's going on here initially um but i think as it becomes a sort of routine as it becomes something that is part of the fabric of what you do it becomes less it's certainly not i don't i don't feel daunted in any way by it and it what is quite interesting is at the at this time when we can't go visiting is you know i've 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 been trying to maybe phone kids families to see how they do it. and and that does seem really weird to me um and i'm kind of like i'm i'm almost hesitant before i i phone people up um and i think part of it is um part of it is that it's just not it's just not normal it's just not the normal thing that that i do and so it seems really really weird i think there are other sort of valid reasons around you know what what not wanting to sort of potentially make parents feel like i'm i'm checking up on them or and things like that but it I think it is just there's something about regular routine which makes something way less daunting and less scary, isn't there? So if it's something you just do every week, like a like I say, you don't feel like it's a weird thing. And what it really is is just a real opportunity to to be where the kids are. And we have always so we've always taken a sort of sheet with us that um, tells the kids about what we're doing at space that week. Um, certainly initially we used to do sort of almost like quiz type sheets that we used to take and kids could then um, complete the, the, the sheet and bring it back to the group and, and we found that was all right with younger ones but as they got older that just seemed a little bit weird and but equally by the time you got a bit older they are more used to you turning up at the door so you just maybe less need for the sheet but the other thing the sheet does do is if you if you knock on the door and no one's in, then again, they know you've been. Um, and I think that even that makes a little bit of a difference because it's it's that sort of consistency, isn't it? Of we've, we've been at your door or we've come to see you and, um, and yeah, and we care about you, that kind of thing really. Um, but I can equally see why it would be quite daunting yeah. <laughs> to people. <laughs> so I guess, 16 years is a really long time for most people when they talk about projects like this. So I get, have you seen kind of generations come through there? Imagine now you'd be starting to see the children potentially of people that you've worked with in the past or. Yeah, totally. So, um, so we've not quite got to the point, thankfully, where, um, where we've got kids who've sort of come to space and there's their kids are coming to space. Okay. Um, because we've obviously, yeah, thankfully that's not quite we're not that far down the line where that could feasibly happen i guess yeah um what we are seeing is so we we certainly i when i take my kids to school i am surrounded by lots of of kids who've uh or i say kids you know young young adults who are also taking their kids to school who have come to space um 
at various points because we, you know, the kids who first came to space are now like 27, 20, 28. It's like, yeah, a, yeah. it's quite old. I mean, it's not like a, a sort of weird thing. It's just a reality. Yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, our kids at school, at the, you know, in their classes are in, I think every one of their classes, there's kids who of parents who, who came to space at some point. Um, which is really, you know, which is really nice and really good. Um, there's a couple of teaching assistants at school who who also came to space, so I see them. Yeah. So I should have said, sorry, I I also work part time teaching at the, the local primary school. Uh, so I spend two days a week teaching um, and three days a week doing this job. So so I teach quite a lot of the kids, children who uh, who came to space. Um, and also we're starting to see them come to certainly bring their children to kids club. So mm. we're, so we're still working very closely with kids club. We're still involved in kids club. Um, and to the point where one of the things that I found myself doing now is I, um, I on, on the evening that kids club happens in Beeston, um, because my children are now at the age when they can go to kids club, I take my kids to kids club, um, and then I, I kind of helped to run the, the kids club cafe, which they put on for parents. So I sit in the cafe with kids, you know, you know these young adults who used to come to space, who are now sort of mid twenties, who brought their kids, and I get to sit and chat to them and talk to them, um, and it's just really, really good. Like you know, the, there's there's not a sense in which they, all of them by any means have have sort of continued a well I think they've all continued a journey of faith in some way but haven't yeah. necessarily connected with uh any sort of I guess congregational model of church yeah but there is just this sense that we we sit and we talk and they tell me about life and um and some of the challenges of life and I tell them about some of the challenges of life and um and and it's again part of being in a community and sharing life and you and what you do see is you just start to hear, you know, some of the, some of the moments that come out of that are really, really precious, um, because you realise the sort of long haul. So to tell you one, I mean, this is I think probably the best thing um, or best moment that I've had probably work-wise in in the last I don't know how many years. But we um, we would we would giving out Bibles to the, to the young people at space. Um, and, uh, and I think we've, we've done this, like we've tried to always give the young people Bibles at various points, um, try and make sure they've all got one that they can just read. And we were giving them out, uh, last year to all this, all the space kids and people had really kindly donated money to buy all these Bibles. Um, and I can remember thinking it on this one as we were, I think it was the day before we gave them out. I remember thinking, you know, what is, what are they going to do with these Bibles? <laughs> like, what, and are they ever going to pick them up or are they ever going to read them? And, um, and it's just, just a big, fantastic waste of money. Um, and, and then I, we were at kids club. So my wife, work she does do the kind of kids club actually with the kids um and she was talking to one of the children who 
whose mum came to space, the very first space group we did. Um, and the mum then said, oh, when, when they'd got home from Kids Club the week before, this little boy had said to his mum, I really want to read the Bible. Uh, and so he's like six years old, this kid. And, and she was like, oh, okay. Um, and so she said, so I went and got the Bible that you gave me um, when, when I was at space and sat and read it with him. Wow. And, uh, and there was just this like, oh, gosh, that is, I mean, it's one, one, it's just remarkable on the level of this is what she's done. But in the in the sort of moment of what's the point of this, you know, what's the point of giving out these Bibles to all these kids? Mm. Just that real sense of kind of God saying, "Here's the point of it, yeah. <laughs> right here." Yeah. And even if it's, you know, even if that is utterly, which it may well be, even if it is utterly the exception to the norm, mm. then then there is just a sense of actually, this is this is worth it. Um, yeah. And you know that, and and whilst those things aren't, you know, they're not these things aren't happening every week. Those things, those sorts of conversations are just really precious, aren't they? And there's another mum who sits in the cafe with me, whose daughter is uh, has like a degenerative disability, and you know, this is a girl who I visited when she was 11 and 12, and 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 you, you know, the just being able to continue that relationship is really, really good and um and to be able to offer some level of support and yeah. uh all of those things so yeah the the long again that sense of longevity i think makes a real difference because yeah. of the the levels of relationships that you can develop over the, that sort of time really mm. um yeah yeah because i guess in kind of the traditional program style of discipleship and things once you get to kind of 18 19 and I've I have had that experience of oh well there's nothing for you now you've just kind of got to get on with being an adult and um yeah just for you to be able to disciple those those young people who are still young people like they're my age I definitely I'm not an adult yet um just yeah just to be able to to continue that journey I think is really powerful yeah and I think I mean we we talk quite a lot actually about these and and so our, I think over the years, we our biggest questions undoubtedly have always been, um, how do we how do we go to the the level of depth that we want to go to with young people? Um, so that whole sense of the the big sort of the big group, the the big numbers is is great, but but you're almost you're kind of wide and quite shallow, mm-hmm. so you can't do the kind of level of depth that you need to do and and like you know the the this isn't a sort of um place where you can stand in front of 30 kids and do lots of teaching that they'll get and they'll they'll grasp you know this is like the the level of sort of intensity uh, i guess and depth and and the time in that you need to invest in young people's lives is massive so we've really struggled with how do we get to go deep enough the other question that we, um, I think, have always wrestled with, and it's a question that um, certainly has been asked of us quite a lot, is you know what what happens to these kids when they get to when they they sort of become too old for space and and can't come to you know when they're no longer 
within that sort of 11 to 18 age bracket and um and so what you know what what do they then do how what do they sort of transition into um and i guess quite often that question has been articulated in a way that's been you know how do they how do you how do you then get them to go to church or how do you then engage them with you know how do you get them to go to traditional uh congregational models of church which are, i guess the in reality they're the you know, they're the easiest, most tangible things and also the only things that really exist for that age group of, of people. There's, there's a reason, isn't there, why that kind of age group, 18 to 30, is probably the the, the least well represented in the church, uh, certainly in the West. Um, and that is because the, the church has not always been hugely relevant for that age group of people. Um and I, and I think one of the things we've really felt is actually um, that question in itself isn't isn't particular for me anyway. I don't think that question is the is framed the right way round. I think it's a kind of back to front question. So for me, the question is how do we how do we call the the church out of where it is to come and and be where these sort of young adults are and young people are. Um, so rather than saying how do we transition kids into into going to church, mm. um, which has always been the question, the question actually should be how do we take this group of people who exist, who are the, who who formed the church, in whatever kind of understanding of that you have, how do we enable that group of people to move towards? those young people who are are in that place of of sort of transitioning age-wise and and I guess you know you could ask the same question about any group of people of any age how do we how do we enable the church to move towards people because actually that's the that to me seems to be the the sort of the way of Jesus rather than Mm. like I I don't see a lot of Jesus saying um you know the the commission is sit here and wait until this group of people make a movement towards you and start coming to where you are the commission is always yeah just go just go and be where people are and um and so for us that question has has and i think we've again not hugely successfully but how do we bring people out to be where these young people are so that when they transition into adulthood they have more and more sort of relationships with people who are within the church. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it might be that they come to the kids club cafe and it's not just me. They recognize there's other people they recognize who are helping out because those people at some point have, have encountered them and have met them and have, have kind of made that movement a little bit towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, and likewise, I, I, we've, we've said, I've said this a lot to people, you know, that if our kids are, at any point, if they do ever go and decide, you know, for whatever reason that they will pitch up on a Sunday morning at any of the local congregations, I am utterly convinced that they are far more likely to stick around if someone comes up to them and says, I know you because I, I met you somewhere or do you know what I mean? I, I came to this thing that you were at when when you were at space and and someone who knows them or a face they recognise um because it 
like it's a bit like the visiting thing isn't it you know <laughs> it's so daunting to go and visit homes you don't know but how much more daunting is it for anybody to come and, and pitch up at a building where everyone else seems to know each other and you don't know anybody and you don't understand what's yeah. going on so i think um yeah that that has been a very real challenge to us is how do we draw people towards our young people mm. and there's lots of different challenges around that you, you know how do you do that safely how do you um how do you how do you make it in a way that isn't weird and forced and all of those kind of things but more and more is that sense of how do we how do we just almost create points of interface where young people are connecting with other people from from the wider family of the of the church sort of generationally because actually those things are really really important aren't they it's like it's why i kind of I've, we've always held back from any kind of youth church idea yeah uh, i think is because we want to see them understanding that they are part of this family but the onus has to be on the people over here who are, you know, who are part of it already. And yeah, that sense of, I can't remember who it was. He said, you know, the church is the only organization who exists for the benefit of its non-members. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and that's true. But how do we sort of, how do we enable that culture to be um, something that is really real and something that is lived out is, yeah. is really, really challenging. Um, and are you we, seeing that anywhere? Are you seeing that modelled in some places? Um, I mean, we've seen it's, I guess, I mean, not in a way that I think, oh, yeah, this is absolutely perfectly how this all should work out. Mm. Um, I mean, what we have seen is, so one of the local congregations in uh, in this sort of postcode area um have started doing sunday afternoon service which is basically just a meal where they everyone comes and eats together and then they have a little bit of a kind of discussion around um a table uh and it's interesting because i'd say that out of all of you know the, the sort of maybe traditional structures that are in place that is the one that certainly most of our young people who, who are sort of entered into young adulthood have connected with um and that might be that you know we've we've gone along with them to start with and uh and stuff like that um but for me it's it it's it's not a surprise that that's the one because that's the one that's made a sort of movement towards something that is more kind of culturally relevant for them do you, do you know yeah. what i mean yeah um so some of our kids, kids, some of our young people have 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 been part of that. Um, others have have come with with their kids to, to other sort of churches. Really, I think there's young children. I don't know whether it's partly finding something something for them to do on a Sunday morning, so you take them to church. Partly one of the like the the school that I work at is a Church of England school, so you will get parents take start taking their kids to church because they want their kids to get into the, the school so that there are things like that and we've done these we also i mean we've done meals where we've got our young people at space to cook for people from the local church and specifically invited people from the local mm. church congregations to come to these meals and then set it up in such a way that you know we might have a sort of horseshoe table 
where all of the guests have to sit around the outside and then the kids will cook and then they'll come and sit on the inside. So they are sort of over a table where they're having to talk to people. Um, and we have seen, you know, just those little sort of interfaces of relationships start. Um, but it's certainly, it's another one of those things where when we stopped last year, we, we've kind of said, you know, how do we, how do we develop more opportunities for that to happen really? How do we create spaces where young people can be with older members of the church in a yeah. way that's safe in a way that um, is just not really sort of fixed, forced and do you know what I mean? I think to some extent when you work with young people, a lot of it's, it has to be forced because you've got all these sort of parameters by which you have to work within to do things by by the book and to do things safely where you're covering them and you're covering yourselves and all that kind of stuff but it's trying to be I guess as sort of as real as you can be within those 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 parameters yeah long um, <laughs> sorry um I w- I'm gonna quote you actually Mark because Ooh. um <laughs> you came and spoke on uh, one of the courses that uh, me and Ed are doing at the minute um and you actually said um, that it's important to remind the older church that the call isn't on the young people's lives, but it's actually on our lives to go out to them. Yeah. And I think that's like, like in a nutshell is what you've just said. And it's just, it's so important to remember that it's, it's not on their lives to come to us. We've got to go to them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I would, I would say that that is something we, and I guess to some extent, there's the it's the it's the sort of challenge of any sort of attractional model, isn't it? That the you potentially always put the onus on on the people you're trying to attract rather than um, than on the people who are I guess doing the attracting in that sense. Um, and I can remember this going back quite a long time, but reading um, just a story about a guy. I think it. Uh, what was it? I think it was, I can't remember who it was. Uh, that would have been good if I could have remembered. Um, <laughs> but it was about urban, particularly, it was a book about urban mission, basically. And this guy was saying that he he was a vicar of a, an inner city church. And he said that he, one Sunday morning, he was, as part of the sermon, he said, at some point this week, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to go and place a bet at the local bookies. Um and he said, and then we'll talk about it next week. And so the next week, when they all arrived at the church, he said the feedback, like, he said it was just brilliant because he said people said things like, oh, you know, I just felt, as when I walked in, I felt like everyone was looking at me. Um, when I got in there, I didn't know what to do. Um, I couldn't understand the language um, of it. Um, some people just said I, I just couldn't even bring myself to go through the, through the front door. Um, and all these kind of brilliant, and he said, well, there you go. That's, that's everyone's experience of, of church. Basically, Mm. we have this culture that is so alien to so many people. And yet we expect them just to come in through the door and, and become part of us. Um, Mm. and so he, you know, he just went on to say that how much more important it is that we, we kind of go out and we we understand that the the onus is on us um 
And I think that's really, really true for particularly when we went for us, when we think about that sort of transition into adulthood is that we, you know, we can't expect these kids just to suddenly say, all right, okay, so I can't come to space now. So I'll just start going to church on Sunday morning. Mm. But it's just, I mean, with the best will in the world that, you know, unless there is a, you know, I mean, you know, nothing's impossible for God, is it? But um, I just don't think that's going to happen. So is yeah. that sense of how do we, how do we move towards them? And how do we really seek to be where they're at? Um, in order to then walk with them. Because like I say, I think they're far, far more likely to stick around on a Sunday morning if yeah. someone's sat next to them, even just explaining what's happening. Yeah. Like, you know, this is what we do. <laughs> and this is kind of why we do it, maybe. Mm. Um, <laughs> and none of us know why we do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can answer that question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. I'm just imagining um, people listening to this and maybe there's uh, a church leader listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, that sounds great. What would you say? How how would someone go about starting asking those questions and delving into that sort of world? What what would be some of the things that they could maybe think about doing? I mean, that's so I, like I say, I don't think, um, and I, I want to be really clear on this, we we don't have this right. Like we definitely, like I don't, I don't feel like we've cracked this in any, in any way. Um, uh, I think where, where we are at is that I think it, we're asking the right question <laughs> rather than having the answers to the question, yeah. asking the wrong question or, or do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, we, we've started, we've started using this word interface as much as we can, because we think that's, that's what we're trying to do. So, so it's just a case of how do we, how do we almost create uh, occasions of, of where people can, can, can kind of come together. Um, that isn't always, I guess, and, and not just come together, but come together in a way that isn't threatening isn't so threatening. So I think it is still quite threatening to, to, to expect people to come to kind of your, to your ground where you are, mm. whereas it's less threatening, isn't it? If you, if you, if you make that move to be where, where people are. Um, so how do we, how do we go and I guess almost occupy spaces that, that aren't ours, that build, do you know what I mean? It, in a way that isn't like, uh, I mean, occupy is quite a loaded term, isn't it? Because it's got <laughs> it's got lots of bad negative connotations to it. But you know what I mean? How do we go and just be where people are? Yeah. So one of the things that I would say in in this community that certainly for me has had a, a really massive impact has been the, our local park run. Mm. So um, so we so we I mean partly we started the park run. So that's like it like it. So we have always had a level of, well, like a really high level of involvement in it. Um, but it's been just an amazing place for um, for people from the local church just to go and be with people who who aren't part of the local church. Um, and you realise, so I, I have made more kind of friends who aren't part of the church uh, through Parkrun. Than it in any other sphere of my life because I, I'm just around 
lots of people, all of whom like, and it's around, I guess that's the other thing. It's not specifically around trying to build those relationships. It's around a kind of um, a joint interest, isn't it? A shared interest. So you're, you're already like, you're not trying to force community or anything like that. Um, and again, like I think somebody said, if you try and build community, you'll, you'll, you'll never achieve that. But if you bring people together around a shared goal or interest, then, then building community is always an outcome of that. Yeah. Um, and we've certainly seen that in, in the local park run. And, and partly because we have seen quite a lot of people from the local church invest in it a little, you know, and, and not in a kind of, I don't think a sort of, I'm, I'm only here to, to try and win converts to Jesus. I think people go because they live running and they like being in the park on a Saturday morning and they've met people they like. And certainly that's what it has been for me. It's, it's been a case of, you know, just being there and, and talking to people and getting to know people. Um, but there's a lady who comes to, who's part of one of the local churches who I've known for a long time, who was never, a, never, ever a runner. Like, and, but when we, when we started park run, we were really, really, really short of volunteers. And so I literally said to this lady, can you come and help me out? Cause we did. And she was like, yeah, I'll come, but I, I will never, ever run. Um, and, and she said, I'll come and help you out for the next few weeks while she's short. And literally, I mean, she's, sort of born and bred in this community and lives really close to the park. Um, and I reckon she's probably at park run maybe 48 weeks a year. Um, wow. which, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm there probably 20 weeks a year. Uh, but, but she has become this sort of real stalwart of it. And, and eventually she started walking it and walking around with people. And she was saying to me a couple of months ago that she she quite often tail walks. So she's like the last person she walks around and she was walking around with this lady as this lady was just kind of offloading life to her as they're walking around. And she just said, it, you know, towards the end, I just said to her, do you mind if I pray with you? Um, and she was like, yeah, that's great. And it and it's that kind of thing, isn't it? You just yeah. think this is like a a bit of a no brainer, really just go and be where people are and mm. people will just start talking to you, won't they? And, yeah. um, and so I think, you know, running's not for everybody by any means, is it? <laughs> um, but it is, it's potentially finding those things, isn't it? That actually, you know, where you, where you do share life and interest with people, um, out, outside of our sort of bubble almost that we've, yeah we like to create around ourselves. Um, but my, like my advice comes from, from a place of, we, we <laughs> definitely, definitely need to keep asking this question and yeah. finding far better answers to it than we currently have. Sure. Oh, that's really helpful. So we, we've kind of skirted around the current, uh, Corona crisis uh, uh because i think it was really important that we kind of got your story and w didn't just completely get absorbed into what life looks like now but it, it would be crazy if we didn't talk about it uh so how has uh lockdown affected your life how how are you coping with the current reality <laughs> <laughs> um but, yeah, badly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um 
I it's funny. I I think I have generally been quite positive about it. I, but I definitely just have like yesterday. I sort of went into a little bit of a a doom and gloom moment, and um, which resulted in me, I think, just probably shouting at my children uh, more than I ordinarily would. Um, I mean, it. Yeah, I think like everybody, it has been just a dramatic change, isn't it? I, I mean, uh, whether things will ever return back to how they were before, I'm not. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, so you know, to the to the extent that we where we were at before, and I think there'll be. I'm hopeful that there's really positive things that will come out of it. Um, I think I. So I, in particular, so I have this long-term medical thing, which means that I'm technically not like I'm supposed like I got a letter about three weeks ago saying mm. do not do not leave your house for the next 12 weeks um and uh avoid all children even those living in your own home which <laughs> when you've got four kids it's quite yeah. tricky. Um, easier said than done <laughs> um and I think so so for me that's been really I've, there's elements of that certainly that I found really really difficult so there's mm. been lots of stuff and I mean what has been interesting is that I think um and I've talked to other people who've had shared experience of this uh our community has actually um has responded incredibly well to to this um so the local the council asked one asked one of the local community groups like a theatre group um who who we've done bits of work with actually um and a, a really good friends with um to take on the sort of um what they call the coronavirus hub work which is distributing food and um and all of that kind of stuff so actually that has been and they've done it just amazingly well like they are totally totally on top of it mm. um so so there's not been a sense for us of a real need to go and, and be delivering stuff for people because there are lots of people already doing that, which is great. The The flip side of that is it definitely makes people like me who are very used to being out and doing lots and being there for people. Like you start to think, well, what, what am I doing? Like, what can I constructively do that, um, that makes any difference? Um, and and I guess I, I, I'm I'm challenged because it 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 means that I have to I think fall back on things that I probably don't do so well, and maybe that is a really good lesson for me. So so I'm I was struck again even yesterday within my kind of despair of I can't go out. It's going to be weeks before I can do anything or see the you know the young people and the families that I work with. I was struck again by something that certainly probably six months ago I was really, really challenged on, which is, you know, this idea of actually what if I just spent like an hour a day praying for these kids? Like what what difference does that make? Um, because I think in my head, I think, well, it's probably going to make a lot of difference. <laughs> but actually, you know, I think for the one of the like I don't hear God speak audibly like hugely often, but about six months ago I, I had a very clear moment where where God just said to me, you know, 
well, as I'd sort of offered, I, I, I'd been with this parent actually of a kid who comes to space, who who told me a load of stuff that I was just utterly helpless to do anything about. You know, that kind of like, I've got no idea what I can do to help you. And so I found myself kind of muttering as I walked out of the house, like just saying, oh, you know, I will pray for you. Um, and as I walked away thinking, man, surely I can do more than, like there's got to be something I can do to help. <laughs> mm. um, and really clearly heard just God say, what makes you think anything you could do could be anywhere near as good as what I can do? Um, and and so actually maybe for me, there is a real call on, I need I need to just devote time to pray for, for particular kids and, and even try and pray throughout the week for all of those kids and, and their families, even if it's like a, you know, three hours of my, my working week is I'm just going to pray for these kids that, you know, who, who knows what difference that makes? Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, but it, yeah. So I think there's that. And I, and I've also, I mean, one thing we've never done well has been any kind of social media. So which <laughs> we're trying to do things like Facebook, and yeah. uh and trying to do instagram and stuff like that and unfortunately i'm you know i'm a little bit old <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't come that naturally to me um but uh but it is yeah it's an on and i guess initial there was an initial thing where everything was about just responding immediately and so there was a lot of connecting families with the hub mm. so you know, the hub saying, we've got all this stuff who, and fo- literally phoning me up, phoning my wife up, who works for Kids Club and saying, you know, which, who are the, who are the families that we need to get this stuff to? But obviously once you've done that and you've developed those contacts, then again, that you, you become a little bit redundant in that now because those contacts are, have already been made and those relationships have been made. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it is a case of, how, you know, are there ways in which we can continue to connect with young people? So we've, we're have we going to try and do something uh, like a games night on Wednesday night with with some young people uh, over this kind of thing. Um, we're like, yeah, I'm not sure. We've tried a Zoom meeting with them we've, with really limited success. I think it it's probably just something that's really unfamiliar to them. Yeah. Um, uh but i guess the yeah what we what I, what I, I would like is sort of interaction um yeah. and i guess things like facebook live are good because they can see you but you can't see them and and all of that kind of stuff so so it's working out how do we do that um and there are little you know there's there's phone calls to parents but you again because we work with young people there's there's just the challenges around how you contact young people safely and yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. So it's not appropriate just to phone a young person up and start talking to them. And mm. so that yeah, so I think yeah, that's a very long answer to to the question, no, but yeah. it's been just a real challenge. And I, and my hope would be so. I mean, we we've uh, like one of our team is on furlough. Um, uh, which you know is because there just I don't think there is even for us who are all part time. There's well, there's not not enough hours 
work for us to do but also you know we through conversations with the army we've we we want to be to make sure we're in a place to to be able to continue what we do when all of this does eventually kind of when we do come through all of this that um actually if we recognize that there are things maybe we don't need to do now and so we step back um in order that we can then really strongly pick up stuff when we when we need to then that's also important um but equally like what we don't want to do is disappear for for this time because we realize actually oh yeah it's important to be be there for whoever we can be there for um as much as anything just to keep those relationships going and it i guess the the big sort of not you know disappointment whatever in it all is that it comes on the back of you know we'd we'd only been sort of up and running again having had a a three-month break for two for two and a half months (laughs) so so to then having this other next force break where we would just you know we didn't remarkably like we very very few of our young people didn't like dropped off whilst we were breaking before Mm. um and so so we weren't in a place of trying to build back up but we were certainly sort of just gathering our momentum in what was a sort of new season for us um and then that's being cut uh fairly dramatically short um but uh but i think you've got to understand that there you know, even if this is, you know, who knows how long this is going to be. I wouldn't want to even hazard a guess, but yeah. uh, but if we if we're saying, you know, we may well not restart stuff till September, then you've still got to get a bit of perspective on the fact that's like four months in and in the in the grand scheme of life, yeah. you know, hopefully for lots of us, four months isn't very much, is it? Mm. Um, and so you know, when we come to pick stuff up, there will be maybe new, again, new ways of working, but, um, but it's understanding how do we get through this time in a way that is as positive as it can possibly be, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And trying not to go insane. <laughs> yes. That's the big challenge. <laughs> <Or> children. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for having this conversation with us, Mark. Uh, yeah, that's been really helpful. I'm sure lots of people have lots of questions as well. So we've got a Facebook listener group and also people contact us on Twitter and other places. Am I right to pass on questions to you if, if anyone asks questions? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Okay, I'll do that then. So thank you very much. Thanks so much. Good to see you. Thank you. Take care. Cool. Yeah. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.